How many of you do say amen to that prayer? Amen. You experienced it in your own life. I experienced it this morning in getting ready for today. Because what we're talking about today, Satan does not want us to talk about. Will you pray with me? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, a covering upon this room we ask, protect from the flaming darts of the evil one. And Lord, may you open our hearts to your truth and to the age and the dispensation in which we live. Lord, may we hear your truth and may we apply it. And Lord, may we take the fight to the enemy. In your name we pray. Amen. So we've been talking in the last few days, a uh, few weeks, about this whole aspect. Do your prayers really make a difference? And uh, I trust that you've been able to hone in to some of your prayer life. Now, uh, across this room, we're at different places. We're at different places on our spiritual journey. Some of us have been longtime believers in Jesus, and we pray and we talk to God all the time. We pray without ceasing. Others of us, and maybe uh, it's true of you this morning, you're really at that entry level and you're not even sure there is a God or that if there is a God that he really hears your prayers. But you are not a human being who is seeking to have a spiritual experience in life here this morning. You are a spiritual being who happens to be having a human experience for these years that God's given you on this earth. All of us will live eternally by the Spirit, either in the presence of God or outside the presence of God. And we have this moment in time, again here this morning, to talk about God's word and his truth concerning who we are as beings made in the image of God and called to forward his purpose here on this earth. And this idea does... God really hear my prayers, my prayers make a difference. Um, you learn pretty quick as you grow in your Christian faith that uh, you're self-centered. When you have children, you start to learn that you're self-centered because they're self-centered and they want to take your time and life away from you. And you learn as you grow as a Christian that it's not about you. It's about him. And if you don't dial into that in your world, then you're not moving towards who God made you to be. God made you in his image to be in relationship with him, called according to his purpose to forward his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so we have this spiritual experience during these years that we've been given, and where we're young or old or we're wrestling through midlife crisis or just finishing out an older season of life, whatever it may be, you and I have a purpose with our life, and it's to be engaged in all that God's doing. But the adversary wants you to become myopic and focused on yourself and your world and not his world. The more you move away from a self-centered life to a God-centered life, and can I say this, a kingdom-oriented life, you will find greater contentment. It won't always be easy, but you will find greater contentment for you will become more of who God's called you to be. And what we're looking at today as it relates to our prayers being answered is not that our prayers are being petitioned to God 
for self-centered personal things. And, and, and here's what happens to us when we start to pray. We, we start to realize that we have great need, and we talked about that need last week, and being able to go to the Jesus, you know, the problem, and then the presence of Jesus, and participating in what he's called us to do, and then his power works, and then, then he gives us his provision, provision. I just loved how last week came together and how you received that from the Lord, and hopefully you walked that out. But when you pray... And you really get honest before God. His spirit will direct you. His spirit will pull out the big flashlight and show you self-centeredness. And he will then point his way, point you to his way for God-centeredness. And so our prayers, do they make a difference? You bet they make a difference, but they make a difference in accordance with God's will, not in accordance with my will. And that's why we pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus taught us to. But it's challenging, is it not? Because sometimes our prayers seem to just go and go and go. And I've been praying this for years and it's not being answered. And God will instruct us in different ways. Sometimes, you know, he'll... He'll say, uh, slow down, I'm, I'm working on it. Sometimes he'll say, um, go, move forward. This is, and then other times he'll say, grow. And sometimes when he says grow, it's in that moving from self-centered praying to God-centered praying. What we're talking about today is engaging with God in his kingdom and forwarding his earth his will on earth as it is in heaven. That doesn't mean just way out there in some other nation or country. It means in your home life. It means in your workplace. It means in your educational world, in your social arenas, God's at work. And so when we pray for his will to be done, we're praying that God would move and he would be glorified in the hearts and the lives of people. And this is the purpose for which we were created. So you got to move from the self-centered stuff to the God-centered stuff. And when you move to the God-centered stuff, you realize real quick that your prayers have to be oriented to the kingdom of God's movement forward in our world. But when we move that direction, many times our prayers are stopped. Our prayers don't seem to have any effect. And you're going, why am I doing this ritual? Well, I want to talk today about something that I believe uh, will help illuminate your calling as a believer in Christ to be able to pray more effectively, but also to be able to become all that he's intended for you to become in your relationship with him. And so that's why here this morning, um, as I pull up this background, that's uh, the country road that I walked on down from the farm where I grew up and is still there, and I was just walking there a couple, three weeks ago, I'm pulled into this challenge for us today in the area of prayer related to this subject, and it is the subject of the authority of the believer. appreciate a prayer that uh, Pastor Oliver gave over me in my office right before I came in. He said, you seem a little, you okay? I said, well, I'm talking on the devil today, so I know that's probably not going to be too easy. And I know that there's going to be opposition. And uh, he says, what's it fully about? And I said, it's about the authority of the believer. And he smiled. A man who travels in mission fields and does a lot of missional work. And he said, I don't know where he pulled a statistic from, but it might be true. He said, 75% of the people today won't understand what we're talking about or have thought about it. 
So that's my job here today. I don't know if it's 75%. I'm not going to take a vote. But the authority of the believer is not discussed in church circles, and it needs to be. Because Jesus talked about it. And in some church circles in which the authority of the believer is talked about, it's talked about in a manipulative way that uh, is very self-centered and says you can name it, claim it, and you can get all you want. That's not what the authority of the believer is about. The authority of the believer is about God, not you. And God forwarding his purposes here on earth. Matthew 16, 19, Jesus um, just sort of uh, coming out of this uh, acknowledgement of, of uh, Peter proclaiming that he's the Messiah, he says this to um, his followers at that time. Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the heavens, of he- the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How many of you got some keys this morning? I think I got some keys down here. I got keys down there, Grace, in my chair. Or here we go. Here's your keys. You got your keys? Ah, you got your keys. You bet you got your keys. Can you tell me what key goes to what? Well, that key goes to my house. That key goes to my office. That key goes to my car. And I have no idea what that key goes to, but it's been on there forever, and I don't want to lose it in case I need it, right? We all have keys. These keys uh, are my keys. They're not your keys. Uh, These keys go to my house, not your house. And so if I want to go into my house, I'm going to use my key. If I want to start my car, I'm going to use my car key. Uh, These keys are mine. They're not yours. But if I was to give you the keys and I would say, have at it, then you'd say, sweet. Now, some of you have some really sweet houses, and if you gave me your keys, I'd really say, great, you know, that kind of thing. But the keys are like, have access to my house, uh, access to the possession that I have, and run with it. And so that's at the bottom, at the rock bottom of what Jesus is saying here, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, in other words, whatever you say on earth will be bound in the heavens, in the spiritual realm, because you're a spiritual being, foremostly, not just a human being. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. They were just like us this morning. What are you talking about? What are you talking about, Jesus? He's saying that in his kingdom, and when you choose to be a follower of Jesus, and you want him to be the king of your life, you enter into a whole new dimension. You enter into a matrix, right? And you're, you're in this realm of spirituality that it's existed. You know, we've talked in, in recent days about that. I don't know why I'm still fascinated, but I am. I mean, it's just uh, the Webb uh, Space Telescope. And when they're out there looking at pictures at the beginning of the Big Bang or whatever, you're going like, wow, it's big, and it's way out there. And who's out there? Well, God's out there. Well, God's here too. Yeah, God's here. Because God's foremostly spirit. And and then I invite God in my life. Where God's inside. That's just incredible. You try to comprehend that. So the keys, the keys are allowing you to unlock and to rule and to reign with Christ, because scripture says we'll be co-heirs with him eternally, to come in and be a part of what he's doing. Here they are. Here's the keys. But most of us are like, ah, eh, forget that. I'm not interested. 
there's some really nice stuff I like here in my little myopic temporal world. And I want to say, right-size it, but let it go. Move into the dimensions of what it's like to be a part of God's kingdom and see things happen on His behalf. Lean in to you being a spiritual being, a redeemed, born-again human being, yes, who will one day get a, a new body and a new heaven and a new earth. But we have this world going on around us. It's just not the material world. And that world that's going around us is one that's very challenging at times. This last week, there was uh, another shooting, but it was in a mall. It happened to be a mall in our hometown, south side of Indianapolis, where I come from. In fact, Melissa and I have been dialed into it a little bit this week because we would visit that mall in Greenwood, Indiana, and we would have our kids there sometimes. And this young man, for whatever reason, steps out of being in the restroom for an hour and he starts to gun down people and within 15 seconds some other young man who was doing a concealed carry took him out and gratefully there was not more deaths than what happened in that moment the parents of that young killer were just stunned they they said they saw nothing coming of this sort and and we said who does that and, and what's going on are there too, uh, too much uh, watching of video shooting games or other kinds of things they're just not connected with reality was there brokenness in his own life mental sickness going on and we can look at all that but i tell you what there was something else going on and it's always going on when lives are snuffed out and that is in the spiritual realm the adversary is work to take people out and to move people into evil, broken dimensions that would do something like that. And you're going to like, my goodness, when's all this going to end? Or what's come of our world? And we can talk around and around and around the circuit with all kinds of reasons and rationales and hopeful uh, solutions or, or to at least temper things down. But friends, the discussion also needs to be in the spiritual realm because things are happening in the spiritual realm that you and I, as believers in Christ, can be engaged in. And we need to be aware of the enemy's attack and what's going on. Jesus did this foremostly with his disciples. I mean, he just picked them. He just picked them. And he says this, he's sending them out, and Matthew 10 is one of the places where he sends them out. It says, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. I mean, this is like, this isn't even freshman class. This is like new student orientation. He sends them out, and he says, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. He's sending them to the Jewish people first. And then he says this, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leopards, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. What's he doing? He's giving them the keys. And he says, I want you to take my power and my authority, and I want you to go out and do destruction, rightful, good destruction to Satan's kingdom. And so he sends them out, 
And I, 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 I don't know. I'll pray for the sick person, person might think. Raise the dead, that one's like out there. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Ooh, I don't know if I want to touch somebody who has that kind of contagious skin disease, right? Drive out demons. Freely you've received, freely you give. He is reorienting them to the spiritual realm, the kingdom world that exists, not just the material realm. And in the midst of that spiritual realm is spirit activity, not just with angelic spirits and the Holy Spirit at work, but with demonic fallen spirits and demons. Now, this is sort of where some of the fear and trepidation on my part as a pastor goes. We live in such a naturalistic world that it's hard sometimes to speak about the supernatural without somebody thinking, you're a bit crazy. Maybe you've come in your own life to understand there is a spiritual realm, and there is a spiritual realm of God, but there also is an evil spiritual realm. But maybe that's just for Hollywood movies to you, or make-believe talk. We find in the Scriptures, creation story. You remember the creation story? God created human beings, and what did he call them to do? Just sit around and play video games? No, he called... Nothing wrong with that. I'm just... Watch it when I say certain things. He called them to rule and subdue and have dominion over the earth. He called them out to participate in his created world. But then what do we find in the first part of that story? We find a serpent deceiving Adam and Eve, and he tried to get them to thwart God's will. From the very beginning, we have the understanding we're made in the Imago Dei, in the image of God, to rule, subdue, and have dominion over the earth and to forward his creation. But we also find opposition to that in the spiritual realm. Don't have time here to park. Where did all that come from? What was the, you know, the pre-Adam and Eve garden stories and those kinds of things? But we, we have this battle going on. And that battle is a realistic battle. There is one opposed to God. Satan, devil, Lucifer, an entity, and fallen angelic beings, it's believed a third of the heavens, fell with Lucifer, who was an archangel, maybe the uh, angel over worship. And there are these entities that exist to thwart God's purposes, not only in the world around you, but also in your mind this morning. That's why that prayer, that spiritual warfare prayer, your heart's endeared, because you know, it's like, yeah, that's me. Like Oliver praying over me, coming in. Yeah, there's, there's something else at stake here. This is not just like, hey, let's, let's have a, a few nice songs to sing and, and uh, uh, get Pastor Zach up here to do announcements, and, and, and then Carrie gives us a little talk, and we're on our way to go have lunch. That's what Satan wants us to do. He doesn't want us dialing in on the subject. He doesn't want you growing in your, not just your Christian faith, but growing in your prayer life to be able to bring defeat to him. Adam and Eve surcame to the lies and the temptation of Satan. And you and I are fallen human beings because of that, but even in our own fallenness, we'll 
acknowledge our sinful life and the challenges and the battles that we have. And he sent them out to do his work, to fight the battle in the spiritual realm. There is um, different places where you see him doing this, and there's another place where he sends out not the 12, because some people say, oh, that was just the 12. You know, they were, just, they were just getting the gospel started, church started, that kind of thing. Hold on, man. Carrie, don't go there. What Jesus did for the 12 ain't for us today. All right? There's people that would believe in the cessation of, of gifts and other kinds of things. No. Friends, there's nothing really changed since Jesus ascended to heavens. The next thing is going to change is when he comes back to earth. And all that he gave us through the power of the Holy Spirit, which came right after he ascended to the heavens, we still have today and we still have the commission uh, to do what Jesus told them to do. So you find this, here's 72. Well, who are the 72? Were they a select group? Well, they were a group that he sent out, but he sent out 72 to do the same thing. And it says this in Luke 10, 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus, you just see him in his calmness. I gave you the keys. Yeah, I hear you. I live in the world all the time. I came from the world. I know what's going on. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven when they were doing their ministry, but he's also reflecting back on when he saw Lucifer fall out of the heavenly realms and be cast to the earth to do his devilish ways. And then he says this in verse 19, though. He says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. What snakes and scorpions? He's referencing, I mean, there was reference to Satan was the serpent in the Old Testament, in the creation account. So the idea of uh, snakes and scorpions are entities that work in the spiritual realm that do the bidding of the enemy. But he's given us authority to trample on them to overcome all the power of the enemy with his power. Nothing will harm you. Doesn't mean that you might be hesitant. Oh my goodness. I come in here not fighting for victory this morning. I come in here today fighting from victory because Jesus brought that victory. His power is greater than the power of the enemy. I think it's interesting on the heels of this, though, because what if you had cast out some demons or saw some miraculous happenings? You'd go, oh my goodness, that was incredible. And they came back and they rejoiced. Whoa! And Jesus just says, hey, right size it all here. Right size it, calm down. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen? Just go about my bidding, Jesus says. I, um, I want to help us with this because this is how we need to unpack this. There's a difference between authority and power. Do you know what the difference is between authority and power? We're talking about the authority of the believer. All right? You've been given authority as a believer. All right? And you need to know that that authority that's been given to you as a believer, just like he gave to the disciples then, is not some special, super-duper, Christian, upsize package, okay? Authority is given to the Christian believer in the name of Jesus Christ 
in one sense, irregardless of the fullness of the Spirit in your life. Now, the fullness of the Spirit in your life is critically important and helps in all this. But the authority of the believer in and of itself is not because you're some supersized, super-duper Christian. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and His Spirit has come to dwell in you, and that's the only way you're a real believer is to invite Christ into your life, then you have the authority as a believer. So it's not necessarily, I mean, there's impact, but it's not necessarily connected to the fullness of the Spirit, nor is it connected to some type of uh, spiritual giftedness, like, oh, there's certain Christians, it was those 12, those 72, but not, not the couple hundred people gathered at, at uh, the awakening on Sunday morning on July 24th of 2022. No, no, no. There's some special giftedness just for those, no. There is no special spiritual gift for using the authority as a believer. Now, there are gifts of discernment, and there are also gifts of miracles and other kinds of stuff, but that authority of itself is not a gift. So it's not tied to the fullness of the Spirit. It's not tied to spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. Neither is it tied to prevailing prayer. It's like, oh, the authority is somebody that's really, really good with this praying stuff, then they can knock Satan down and they can take things, you know, get the keys and do all that stuff. No. No. The authority is simply given because you are a believer in Jesus. That authority is there. But the authority is different than power, you see? Because we start to lean to, oh, i got a power, i got to really believe. No, it's not my power. If I was to confront some of Satan's demonic works in my power, that would be really foolish. He has power. But Christ's power is far superior. And Christ's power is what you have been given the keys to, the authority to initiate his power and his authority. If I was to walk down here at Los Alamos and the crazy stoplight to get out of this place, and I was uh, to just walk out in plain clothes and stay out there in the crosswalk and go, hey, hey, stop, stop, stop. They'd all think, get that guy out of the way. What is it? Somebody needs to help the man. He's, he's crazy, right? He, but, and I might very well get hit, right? But if I pulled up in a police car and put my lights on and got out in my officer uniform, right, in my badge, and I walked down and I went like this, what would happen? They'd stop. The cars would stop. Why? Because the policeman has the power to make him stop? Boom, no. He's no superhero. They stop, not because he has the power, they stop because he has the authority invested to him by the city of Marietta and elsewhere to stop. You stop. He's exercised authority that he's been given, but the power is through the auspices of understanding that you don't run over a police officer. You're going to be in big time trouble, right? So also in the kingdom of God, when you're given the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, and I'm giving you all, you are exercising not your power. It's not even your authority, if you want to sense. It's the authority you have as a believer because of your stance in Jesus Christ to say, in the name of Jesus, stop. 
And that's different than, oh God, I hope that they stop. I hope that they stop. Lord Jesus, help me. Prayer is communing with God. Spiritual warfare is taking the victory of Christ and telling the enemy to stop. Authority versus power. I'm going to take an initiative here that was impromptu. And I want to invite up a man I had uh, lunch with this week. Jim, you good to go? Jim and I had lunch, and he's shaking his head like, I can't believe Pastor Kerry's having me do this. I asked him during turn and greet. He said, okay, after a long pause. <laughs> This is Jim Maropoulos, him uh, and his wife, Vanessa. Uh, it's great to have them a part of our church. They used to be a part of it a little bit a few years ago, went to the East Coast, came back. They're here now. He works out of town a lot. But Jim, just succinctly, you shared with me a few years ago, you had a ministry that you participated in, a prison ministry. And you went into this prison ministry day um, with a heart to be able to communicate and share the gospel. But uh, you had some opposition. Can you tell us about that and what happened? Talk about impromptu. Uh, yeah, I, I was like a sister. Are we good with this? Uh, Is this Mike? Hello. Check. Can you hear Same me? Same with Zach. Am I there? Not yet. You hear me? I'm loud anyway. I uh, I was working at a prison. This after you have to preface this with a deliverance uh, minister. I went through a deliverance and I come out of the occult. Heavy occult. Hey, that's better. That's what the pastor gets. <laughs> anyway, I uh, I was doing a prison. Keep it short. I, I, I was doing. Am I done yet? No. I was doing a prison ministry, and I, I was assistant chaplain. We used to take teams in every week, and we would go into various units, two of us at a time. And I would kind of organize that. But I had a kid with me who was a gangbanger. He been had several bullet wounds and uh, had shot people and. He was a heart for God. You know, a lot of these people were very delivered. Is that working now? All right, that's better. Uh, anyway, he, I'm sure he didn't know what was going on, but we walked into one of the units, and sometimes there's a lot of, there, there's friction, and the guards will just shut it down. And some of the guards really want the Bible study, some don't. This unit was just in chaos, and you could tell, oh, they're going to shut this down. Meanwhile, we, we start to organize. I get them sitting down. This kid, this large young man, like, Yetal is blaspheming and cursing and spitting in a cup and say, I'm going to kill you. I'm Jesus. I'm God and a lot of other things you don't want to hear. And the kid with me, the ex-gangbanger, was no slouch, was just like, why? he didn't know what to do. I really wasn't sure what to do, but I knew we had to get control or we were going to get thrown out of there. So we, I prayed like I always do. I prayed for the, the Holy Spirit would bind any spirit in the name of Jesus, to silence. And then I looked right at this kid. He was standing over me with that cup. I was afraid he was going to splash that on me, and it would have been over. <laughs> uh, I looked up at him, and I looked. I spoke to the demons, and like I said, I come out of the occult. I have a lot of experience in this. Don't go looking for it. But I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to silence. Sit down. Do not get up. Do not move until this is over. And I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but this guy just went slack catatonic slack down into the chair below him and just boom the cup went down on the ground his arms hung at his side everybody looked the kid with me and I, he was the speaker I was going to let him have the meeting and do the speaking but I just sat there in front of this guy the whole time praying I told him to pray before I did this but then he spoke and all the other kids kept looking over this guy did not move he was dead as dead in his seat 
And we did our half-hour meeting when it was over. We closed in prayer, and the minute we finished, this guy jumped up with his cup and went right back to blaspheming and cursing everyone. So I see, for those that think there's a, I think there's a demon under every rock, and I say, don't worry about it. It's probably there. Just live, li- <laughs> live your life like it's there. But don't go looking for it. You don't want a power encounter if you don't have to have it. But remember, there's demons all over the place. They're not just in Haiti. And listen to this great message. Thank you, Jim. Is Jim a superhero? Did he get that? Spiritually. Did Jim have the power to silence a spirit that was causing this man to blasphemy God, to demonstrate, to cause corruption for the gospel not to be shared that day? No. But Jesus does. And Jim, and maybe someday Jim will get you to share your full testimony. (laughs) Um, Jim knew what it's like to be taken from the side of darkness and be brought into the transforming light of Jesus Christ. And so Jim took the authority as a believer to say, stop, stop. Here's my simple question to you this morning. Are your prayers making any difference? Maybe you need something more than prayer. Maybe you need to fight spiritual warfare and take the authority of Jesus and pray over that individual that you've prayed for years. Maybe you need to take the authority of Jesus and pray for transformation in a circumstantial situation that just is evil. The young man that pulled out his gun to take down the mall shooter had a weapon. What weapon do you have to fight in the spiritual realm? Do you have the weapon of understanding the authority of the believer? And the authority of the believer could very well be one of the critical kingpins for you seeing victory in that prayer initiative that you've been carrying on for years. Because there's more than meets the eye. We're familiar with the passage in Ephesians 6. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and evil forces in high places. Jim and I were joking about that demon around every box. Because every time you start to speak on demons or the spiritual realm, people go, oh, you're a fanatic. You think a demon's under every rock. (laughs) Jim's response, well, if it's there, yeah, I probably have to deal with it. Right? But in the spiritual realm, there's activity. And we as Christians... As a follower of Jesus, we have the authority that's been given to us through Jesus Christ. Because you see, simply put, authority is delegated power. It's the power of Jesus that's been delegated to you and to me. And this is a truth for you to know this morning. And it's this, behind the authority, behind the authority possessed by us as believers in Christ, there is a power infinitely greater than that which backs our enemies and which they are compelled to recognize. 
Some of you are mindful that in my life and some of my ongoing years, I actually do have a deliverance ministry that I've carried. It's a deliverance ministry that I've not been forthright about because I didn't want to originally get labeled as a weird person. But different encounters all through my early years of ministry and now 35 years later as I've wrestled in ministry, I'm very mindful of what this statement says, that there is a power that we have been given. It's infinitely greater than the enemy's and they are compelled to recognize it. In some of my deliverance sessions that I work with people, and a lot of times it's not, you know, oh my gosh, is a demon making me doom it? No, there's, there's sinful natures, there's the ways of the world we try to keep up with, but sometimes there's also direct attacks of the enemy, and we have to be mindful with how to deal with those. And so there's something called a time of testing sometimes that I've walked some people through, and, and, and in that time of testing, discovered that there are some unclean spirits, some fallen dark angels, demons, whatever you want, that are wreaking havoc. They're like parasites. They're parasitic, and they don't control someone like the, the movie, The Exorcist. I often say that the reason that we have this challenge of 75% maybe not knowing about it is for two reasons. One is Hollywood glamorizes the whole spiritual realm, and the church just ignores it or pleads, uh, no, I don't want to go there. But because of that, we start to think this stuff's weird, but it's just a part of our culture and our world. And the second, one second on the other side of death, you're going to realize that you're in a spiritual realm. Absent from the body, present with the Lord for us as believers, right? Wanting to man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. If you don't want to be a Jesus follower here, then why would you want to be in a heaven where Jesus was? So you make the choice while you're here. God doesn't send anybody to hell. There's that choice of I don't want to be where God and Jesus are at. So Jesus says, depart from me. So one second on the other side of death, we understand that there's a spiritual realm. And so as we operated in this realm, I'm very mindful that some of the challenges and the conflicts and the problems in people's lives aren't necessarily of the natural realm. They can be of the natural realm, but sometimes they're also complicated by the supernatural realm. In the supernatural realm, there can be afflictions. There can be attacks, all right? There can be vexations, I even sometimes call. And sometimes it's just external. All of us have attacks of the enemy externally. That's why we take, you know, our fight's not against flesh and blood and we're put on the full armor of Christ. That's why that spiritual warfare prayer that started out the message is so critical and important. All of us are in that realm, but for some people, there's been a gateway of entry and it's no longer external, but it's become like a parasitic worm, if you will, and it affects their mind, their will and emotions inside. And so I'm in these sessions and I'm dealing with them, right? And some of these sessions, people go, oh, what's it like? And I go, well, it's, it's more like just straight on some counseling or calling the Lord. We're calling out, trying to discern where these discernments are. And sometimes they, they manifest themselves a little bit stronger than others. Like, does it get really weird? Heads start to spin? Things fly off the shelves? No. No. I, I've had unclean spirits spit at me, cuss me out, lean towards me. But what do I do in that moment? Stop. In the name of Jesus Christ, you will not use that vulgarity. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not cause those contortions. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not cause a blocking understanding. They will understand truth. In that moment, I take my authority as a believer, the power of Jesus, and I say, Lord, be glorified in this person's life. And we'll walk a person through to freedom and deliverance in that. And some of you know, when I did my doctor ministry study and they asked me to do a project to finish it out, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll do that. This was like three years ago, four years ago now, maybe three, I guess, 2019, four when I started it. 
I was like wanting to pick some safe subject, but the subject that the Lord just pressed on my heart is, Carrie, you've been doing this for 35 years. Why don't you write on freedom ministry? Because you know what? This keys that I've given to you, as I've given to other believers, it needs to be more known. And so I wrote this project in 2019 on freedom in Christ, a spiritual deliverance ministry, and a disciple-making and missional sending church ministry. Some of you have read it. I'm in the process, hopefully, of getting it retweaked and maybe putting it in a book, but not because I need to have a book. It's because there's a lot of people that don't know about the authority we have in Christ, and it's seen as weird. It's not. Jesus sent them out. He sent them out. That paper that I did, one of the things that stunned me, because they upload it, it's been downloaded six, 7,000 times. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of books on spiritual warfare and deliverance, that kind of stuff. But people are hungry. I've gotten calls from different places going, thank you so much. to help me know that I wasn't crazy and I'm wanting to walk this out and who can I find? And can I say this? I think where we're at as a culture and in our nation and around the world, this whole naturalism stuff is going to come to an end. And we're going to start to understand there is a supernatural realm. There is a spiritual realm. And the Christians, we better be at the forefront of that and not let the adversary and Satan take it and run with it. Because he's doing a good job of it. Like Jim's testimony could be, the occult, dark side, don't seek that kind of stuff out. But people are seeking out the dark side. Oh, I think I'll, I think I'll just, you know, I'm not saying any hard thing. Hard, I think I'll dress on black and, and uh, disfigure myself this way. Or I think I'm going to get involved in this kind of seance. Or I think I'm even going to use this Ouija board and see if it'll speak back to me. Just stay clear from it. It's the evil dark side. But we don't stay clear from it and bunk ourselves away as Christians scared to death. What we do is we step forward and we say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, stop. And you and I are challenged in this day and age to come out from hiding, if you will, and begin to operate in the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you go on this journey with me? Because my time's up today. And we're going to need to come back to it next week. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And as they come, we're going to sing a song about the cross of Jesus Christ. I want you to know today when you leave that yes, you have your authority as a believer to say stop. But that authority would not be there if it was not for the work of Jesus Christ that was done on the cross. We fight from victory. We don't fight towards victory. And we're going to look at it next week when we give reference to the blood of Jesus Christ. We're giving reference to the completed work of Jesus Christ, His death, His resurrection, that broke the power of Satan. And when the power of Satan is broken, there's only one person that gets the glory. And that's Jesus. Just be thankful your names are written down in the book of life. He gets the glory when Satan's defeated.
And I'm ready to give God a lot of glory in my generation by seeing the enemy defeated. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In your realm, in your world, what is it that you need to be praying and practicing spiritual warfare over somebody in your life? There's a stronghold there. We'll talk more about that. So we sing this song about the cross. You need to know this. I appreciate Jennifer selecting this. I, um, I was in a deliverance session once, and uh, we weren't getting anywhere. They can be very strongholds and push back. And so finally, I just, because I know where my power comes from. It's not me. And sometimes you can get in the flesh. Oh, bro, God, do this. No, it's not me. I need to abide in the work, the finished work of the cross. <laughs> and um, I told this unclean spirit, the kingpin, I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take you back 2,000 years ago to the foot of Calvary. And you will look upon the blazing eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ who brought about your defeat through his shed blood and his resurrection. And you have no rights to continue this stronghold in this person's life. And I command you to leave. The demonic spirit that was, had been demonstrating itself through some verbal articulation just immediately changed its tone and went... I know. I know. I was there. I saw it all. It was my defeat. I will leave. Now, my human side, as a pastor, I'm going, what? What did it just say? No, that can't be. It was there 2,000 years ago? It was it actually dead? Or is it just saying to make believe or whatever? I don't know whether it was physically there as an unclean spirit 2,000 years prior when Jesus died on the cross or whether it knew in the spiritual realm through all the other hierarchies that he was connected with that it was defeat, but he was there. And so when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the finished work of Calvary and the shed blood of Jesus, you are calling on reality. It's as if Jesus died and rose from the grave this weekend. And that's the authority by which we as believers move into places of darkness and pray over our friends and our family. And we say, in the name of Jesus, be gone. Loosen them. Sometimes they're deeper, stronger strongholds and they have to be dealt with in more specific, articulate ways. But it's not about me. It's about him and his work. So as we sing this song, and I'll pray after, I want you to actually receive afresh in your life a covering of the blood of Jesus from the wondrous cross because it's your protection as well. Because maybe you're in a battle this morning. And you're fighting your way through it, trying to change circumstances or other kinds of helps, and all those can be good, all used by God. But maybe... You just need a fresh covering of the victory of Jesus Christ over the enemy who's wanting to take you out. So as we sing, you pray. There's a place to pray over here. We have some prayer workers. We'll be glad to pray with you. But we're going to stand and we're going to sing this song and then we're going to pray at the end of it. But may this be our declaration. Our declaration this morning. 
as believers with the authority that we've been given because we've been given the keys. Maybe there's a person you need to pray for. Pastor Zach talked about some of the renovations that God's put on my heart. It's great to have the sound tech thing and some of that work and get new speakers and try to get the lighting done, the video issue we're addressing. But one of the things that's so heavy on my heart is I want to create some prayer areas for us just to pray. There's no altar here. You can always come up and try to make this an altar. That's fine, or in the prayer area. But I'm determined in this day and age and what's going on in our world and what I see happening in people's lives is that we become what Jesus longed for with his churches, and that's that we would be houses of prayer. And when we pray, we pray over people's needs. We pray for touches. We pray for people to be born again and come to know Jesus Christ, but that we would also take the authority of Jesus and pray over people on a Sunday morning who need victory. And so that's sort of where we're headed. And that's why I don't know how long I'm going to be talking on all this stuff because it's really born out of the heart of the Spirit every week. And I want this to be a house of prayer. I want victory. I want people to walk in. There used to be a youth camp that I helped lead. And, and I remember one girl running out that really needed help, and I chased her out. And I said, why'd you leave the chapel? She says, because I can hear God in there. So when I leave, all the other voices come back to me and the troubles, and but I'm scared in there. I want this place to be a place of sanctuary. Sanctuary means set apart unto the Lord. Yeah, you can do all the apparatus to change things, but I want the presence and the power of God operating in our church. Not that it hasn't been, but I, as a leader of us as a church, being called back afresh, to take the authority of the Lord. The keys. And let's set some people free. So maybe you need to be praying for that person this morning. Maybe it's a covering afresh in your life. Maybe it's just to worship God. But let's sing this song about the victory that we have because of the finished work of the cross, the wondrous cross.